Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good day, everyone. Just getting rolling here. I know. Shake off the cobwebs today. I feel sleepy. Bet you guys feel sleepy too. You know who's not sleepy? Actually, he's probably sleepy today. And that's LeBron James. My God. My God. How is this possible? Someone please inform me. That's crazy, man. We're going to talk a lot about that ball game because, damn it, it was just fun. It was just fun. It didn't have a whole lot going on on the fantasy side, but I don't care. It was fun. That's the important part. Oof. I guess not if you're a Clippers fan. Wasn't all that fun. Meltdown City. As a basketball, someone who just wanted to watch basketball yesterday, that was crazy. Just seeing what LeBron is still able to do is absolutely nuts. I uh, I switched something up today, for whatever it's worth, and I did not go live on Twitter and uh, I kind of want to just see how that's different. So the thing is, and, you know, my goal here is not to badmouth Twitter in any way, but ultimately that's probably what's going to happen. Besides the fact that you can actually find me over there at Dan Bespers, and we do a lot of stuff on it. Uh, one of the issues is, you know, with YouTube, we can build subscribers by having the show going live uh, or after the fact or whatever it happens to be. I'm not, it's really not clear that having the show on Twitter does anything Besides, like, a few people see it as it's flashing by, and then it disappears. So it feels kind of like there isn't a huge purpose in it. And maybe I'm wrong. Like, you know, it's a good way to have uh, viewers quickly on a show, because it's just out there. Whereas, like, with YouTube, it takes five, ten minutes for people to sort of realize that it's happening, and then they join in, and blah, blah, blah. But just the upside of... You know, the After the Fact podcast is great because that's how we generate ad revenue. And then YouTube is fun because there's a little bit of ad stuff, but it's mostly just about kind of growing the YouTube page. And I just don't understand why I have it on Twitter all the time. I don't know that that's... We'll see. We'll see. From a your uh, enjoyment standpoint, basically all this means is that if you had caught any of them live on Twitter, that might be going away. Just be aware. So then you definitely have to like and subscribe on whatever other format is the easiest for you to take it in, whether it's YouTube with the video element, uh, whether it's over on Spotify or iTunes or something like that. Someone was telling me that we should try to simulcast this on Twitch. I don't actually know how to do that, but it's something that I can look into. So uh, crowdsourcing this one here at the front end of the show. I don't know if any of you guys use Twitch or understand it, but is that something that I should be looking into? Because I think it's as easy as just like clicking one button in StreamYard. I just, I don't even know what my Twitch... Do I have a Twitch login? We'll find out, won't we? Uh, I am Dan Bespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Welcome to your Thursday edition. We'll be mostly recapping the Wednesday Smedium card. It was six games yesterday, something like that. They were fun ones, though. Specifically, the Grizzlies, right in the middle of the card. And we'll work our way up to that. Don't worry, we'll get there in a few minutes. We'll we'll push our way through. Um, Tomorrow... I would argue is maybe the, uh, well, I don't, I still have to figure out how I want to format this. We'll have our weekend review show tomorrow, which I know everybody enjoys that one. We'll probably do a separate show tomorrow on playoffs and streaming. And my hope is that I can do just like a 15 minute quick hitter every day on head to head 
strategy and streaming. Every day from now, basically until, I mean, the end of the season, it's not going to be on weekends all the time. But anytime we can get that done, even on a weekend, I'll try to squeeze one in there. Uh, and then I would just sort of need you guys to watch them and like them and subscribe and all that stuff, and then that would sort of power the locomotive to keep it going. New Orleans lost at Indiana. I was finally, it took me forever for whatever reason to find the beginning of the year season win totals numbers. Uh, Those of you that have started listening to this podcast in the middle of the season, you probably haven't heard my rant yet. My hard drive died just like on a moment. Nothing weird happened. Just one moment I was using it and the next moment it was fully dead. In the middle of July, I had already written up my season win totals preview piece, which had a breakdown of all 30 teams, and it had a few of my top plays on the board, and it died before I could load it onto our website. And I hadn't loaded it onto our website yet because I was waiting on a trade to go down. There were a few things that were sort of in flux. I thought, all right, it's fine. I'll just wait for this news to break. I'll make my little tweaks, and then we'll post this on Sports Ethos. And then, kablamo, down it went. So I didn't have that. Uh, meaning I, I had sort of lost to the ages what the beginning of the year season win totals were numbers for uh, the teams where I didn't have live betting tickets because now that most of the websites have sort of an updated, you can bet on the fly season win total. Uh, it's insane to bet it right now, but some people do in any way that a book can try to take a couple of dollars, they're going to do it. Uh, and I was relieved to find out that a few of the ones that I was kind of worried that I had gotten way off base on were uh, were not all that crazy. Like the Pacers, over 39 and a half. That was the biggest one uh, of all the sort of recommendations of the year. And as they've been kind of up and down a bit lately, I thought, oh, God, is this going to turn into a, into a turn? But they're at 34 right now after yesterday's win. Uh, they got to get six wins over their final 22 ball games. I feel all right about that. Come on, Indy, make me look smart. As far as this particular ballgame goes, uh, Indy did make me look smart. New Orleans got all their guys back. CJ McCollum was back. Brandon Ingram was back. Uh, wasn't someone else for the... Uh, no, uh, Zion was questionable, but he played. And um, they lost anyway. Mostly because Indy is so freaking fast that the Pellies had to go to kind of a different look. And then they couldn't guard anybody. Not to take anything away from Herb Jones, who's an outstanding defensive player, but if New Orleans goes small, it kind of takes away a lot of what they can do, which is um, having either a big man that can dominate near the rim, like Jonas Valanciunas, or a big man that can switch everything and be that sort of defensive presence in Larry Nance. And instead, they went to Zion at center for long stretches in this ballgame. A lot of Nance there as well, but a lot of Zion at center. And uh, Indy just cooked them. Just cooked them. Pacers got 102 shots up. They out-rebounded them by 10. Uh, only had eight turnovers. So, like, the Pels just couldn't really force any misses on defense. Anyway, fantasy standpoint, the news here, Jonas Valanciunas played seven minutes. He just got run right off the floor in this ball game. But don't expect that to continue. This is, if your league still has a trade deadline, this is very much a buy opportunity on JV. Should you feel so inclined... I actually sort of accidentally did that yesterday or the day before. Someone proposed to me in one league a trade where I give away Clay Thompson and I got JV. It's a pretty fair deal, but I needed the big man in that format, so that one actually worked out for me okay. Herb, you're playing. 
CJ Brandon, Zion, obviously you're playing those guys. Uh, Trey Murphy is sort of the question mark. He got a lot of extra minutes because the Pelicans went smaller in this ballgame. 11 points, 7 assists, unusual little tweak there. A steal, couple of three-pointers. Look, I mean, we know the deal with Trey. If he's going to get up around 30 minutes, he's very much a fantasy play. But with all of the main guys back, I don't think this is a number that sticks. And he probably drops back into the mid-20s. And in the mid-20s, he was more like a 100 to 150 range fantasy guy, which is fine. But generally, you know, if you're playing against the games cap, probably not quite good enough. Um, and, I mean, you could it's sort of that doesn't matter group we've talked about. Guys like Max Struess, Gary Trent Jr. 100 to 150 is, I think, basically a group I'm just going to call that doesn't matter, guys. The guys that are just reliably in that zone at the end of every two weeks. And Trey Murphy is basically those guys when this team is healthy. If any single person is out, Trey moves above that line. But if they're all there, we've seen enough of it, I think, this year to, to finally say definitively, that's where he lands. Do with that as you so choose. As far as the Pacers side goes, uh, you guys kind of know where I sit on most of these guys. Aaron Neesmith, by the way, was a game-time call. He ended up sitting this ballgame out, but uh, my guess would be that he's back for the next one. Uh, that's in San Antonio on Sunday. Should be a nice high-scoring game. Neesmith can get his legs back underneath him on Sunday. Uh, that's going to render Benedict Matherin fairly useless again. I know you guys remember what he was doing when Neesmith was healthy, and the answer was not much. And that's kind of the only thing that's that's sitting in flux with this team. Miles Turner had some foul issues, but you know, by and large, he's been sort of a disappointment, but overall kind of fine. You guys know I'm not into Andrew Nemhard as a nine-cat guy. Uh, not interested in Ben Shepard, although he did have a nice ball game here. Not interested in Obi Toppin, although he also had a nice ball game here. We move along. Dallas was down one center, which is really all I can ask in life, is for Dallas to be down one center. Is that so much to want in this simple existence? No Maxi Kleba for this ballgame. So, not surprisingly, Derek Lively and Daniel Gafford split the center minutes right down the pipe. A perfect break. Okay, not perfect. Gafford, 24 and a half minutes. Lively, 23 and a half minutes. That's pretty damn close, though. Uh, Lively had seven defensive stats, so awesome performance in 24 minutes there. Gafford had a uh, more mild 24-minute performance. His four turnovers kind of artificially sagging what was otherwise a pretty decent Pretty decent is probably the best way to describe this fantasy game. And that's like, it's hard for me to say you got to hold on to all these guys when we know that if Kleba plays, then they all split up the minutes and it gets ugly in a hurry. But look at how interesting it is for both of them when Kleba doesn't play. Honestly, friends, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit lost. I don't want to say lost, but like I don't know that there's a right answer here. If you can hold on to Gafford, I would try to do it. Same general story for Lively. If you can, I would try to. Gafford obviously has the higher sort of per-minute upside between the two guys. In general, I know Lively in this ball game had the better per-minute upside. But when all three centers are healthy, it doesn't really look like anybody has the leg up on a given night. It's mix-and-match time, and actually Kleba had the most minutes of them in the two games before he missed this one. So try to hang on if you can. Gafford would be my favorite. Lively would be number two. And then 
Kleba would be number three on that list. P.J. Washington had a good shooting game. We know enough about his fantasy stuff to know that uh, he will settle back outside the everyday playable mark. I am trying to, as you've heard many times I've said this season, I'm trying to be kinder, a kinder soul, towards those who want to just stream a guy who's warm. And that's kind of what P.J. Washington could be. Now, if he just gets warm and you want to play him, be my guest. I am personally not playing P.J. Washington, even when he gets a little bit warm. I just, I don't care. Uh, but I get it. If you really insist on doing it yourself, I'm not going to yell at you. Josh Green cooled off. No surprises there. Ah, uh, Toronto. So, you know, I have this, I, I'm in a funny spot with Toronto right now. I'm in a funny spot because I like Jakob Pertle. I was pretty high on him during draft season. You guys know that I had him... I don't remember if he was on the old man squad or if he was just a guy that I thought, oh, this is an interesting value. I can go look that up at some point. And by and large, he's had a sort of fine season. Not special. He's number 81, which I think is pretty damn close to where he was being drafted. And so I don't mind when Jakob has a good ball game, which he did here. 16-7-6, four steals, two blocks. Great game for Pirtle. But you guys also know that I really want to see Kelly Olynyk get 22 minutes or more, and it just ain't happening while Pirtle is upright. Pirtle power. Jakob went down in the previous game with an ankle twig. He played through it here. Um, and if you're thinking about shutdown, which I did a show on possible shutdowns, I think eventually you probably see Pirtle pull the plug on the season, but we're still many weeks away from that. You know, we're talking about probably the last two-ish which most head-to-head seasons should be over by then. Should be. You know, if you're in a Yahoo public, you're not, so you get screwed a bit with silly season crap. But, uh, yeah, those are horrible. I don't know how you could do a Yahoo head-to-head public league going to the end of the season. Absolutely atrocious. In any event, Raptors are only four and a half games back of the Hawks, so not mathematically eliminated and won't be for quite some time. So you're going to get, basically, you know, if guys are healthy for the Raps, they're going to play. Because they're still kind of having fun. Well, they lost this ball game, but they feel like they could do anything. They could make a run. You never know. It's not going to happen, but they feel like it. And so you get stuck with me sitting, dreaming wistfully of Kelly Olynyk getting starters minutes. I also saw a report yesterday that it sounds like the Raptors and Olynyk are approaching an extension. We'll see if that comes down the pike. Uh, could be interesting if you're thinking about like, would they ever bump him up to a more prominent role? Uh, they gave Pirtle a new contract this season, but is that someone that they want to build around, or is that someone that ends up becoming a trade chip? Things to kind of think about for the future, but not really for this moment. Also, Gary Trent Jr., very much a member of the Doesn't Matter Club. Chicago, Cleveland, Bulls have had to play a lot of minutes of basketball lately. I'm surprised nobody on that team got hurt in this one. We know Caruso went down in the last ball game. Tried to play through it and, you know, took a day off and probably a wise decision because this one required Kobe White to play 50 minutes. Yeah, double OT. Uh, let's start with the Cleveland side. You're always going to get sort of weirdly large lines in double overtime games. Karis Levert had 14 points and 15 assists. He's a points league kind of guy, but I'm not touching him in nine cat. We know enough about what goes on with Levert to know that, I mean, this will be the best game he has very much between yesterday and the end of the season, and I don't feel... The slightest bit of remorse saying that out loud. Uh, Darius Garland was a little bit better, but shot the ball poorly. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell was off. 
He had five fouls also, so he only got to play... Uh, sorry, that, no, yeah, five fouls. He did get up to 44 minutes, so it didn't really impact things. But he just he didn't have the shot going. Uh, turnovers were high. Just a sort of a weird off night for Donovan Mitchell. But, you know, who cares? He's number seven and nine cat. And at this point in the year, there's very little he can do to kind of move off of that mid-first-round valuation. He'd have to be very bad the rest of the way. Chicago's side was a little more interesting, uh, but not as interesting as it might look. So, obviously, the big story here, Andre Drummond started, played 36 minutes, and had a ridiculous 17-26 performance, which, I mean, look, if you're going to give that dude starters minutes, he's going to post insane rebounding numbers. That's just the Andre Drummond way. He's one of the best rebounders we've seen frankly, in NBA history, but very much one of the best over the last couple of decades. But I'm here to tell you why, and this is, you know, Captain Buzzkill. First of all, we were on this one from weeks ago. I don't know if you guys remember, talk, well, we talked about it on yesterday's podcast also, but remember, we talked about looking at the Bulls' schedule and saying, okay, well, if you want to grade out where you're going to get the Andre Drummond games, just look for where they play the Cavs, which one was on Valentine's Day, and we were like, oh, they got another one coming up in a couple of weeks. Look where they play the Wolves. That's another team that kind of runs two center lineups. And then uh, if any other team pops up along the way that tends to play large, you might see them run big against that club as well. I'm not sure who that would be. There aren't many other teams, if any, frankly, in the NBA that go that gigantic. Like maybe if they, they could have sort of gotten away with it against the Knicks when they were playing a Hartenstein-Randall front court, but eh. Um, I don't know that the Bulls play any teams the rest of the way besides the Knicks, who they play three times in the final two weeks of the season where they can look at it and they can be like, yeah, we, we can stick Vooch on your power forward. Oh, they do have the Timberwolves on March 31st. So if you're looking for the next time that Drummond's almost definitely going to get something to do, it would be March 31st. Now, let me add a brief caveat there. He was going to get minutes today regardless... Yeah, today. This ball game, yesterday regardless of the opponent, because Alex Caruso was down. So two things actually worked uh, sharply in Drummond's favor for this ballgame yesterday. One, it was already a team that Chicago was going to go to the goal line package. And two, they don't really trust any of their reserves on this team. Uh, Like, legitimately don't trust them at all. So... It was going to be Drummond because of Caruso. And we saw that in the last ballgame. Chicago's on a back-to-back here. The previous ballgame, Caruso was in and out and in and out at kind of the old. He was trying to figure out if he could play through the hamstring thing. Drummond picked up those minutes. So even if it wasn't the Cavs, Drummond was going to get to play more. The fact that it was the Cavs meant he got even more. And it was just like a better matchup for him. Now, the Bulls play the Bucks tomorrow. By the way, happy Leap Day, everyone. The Bulls play the Bucks tomorrow on March 1st as we turn the calendar over to the penultimate month of the NBA campaign. The Bucks are pretty big. Um, Brooke Lopez at center, Giannis at power forward. But, I mean, what chance does Vooch have of staying with Giannis? Thing is, if Caruso's not there, they might not have a choice. They might just have to go to the big package again. So if you picked up Drummond to stream him for this ballgame against the Cavs, like we talked about a few weeks ago, hold on for one more day. Hold on to Drummond for one more day, because if Caruso's out again, Drummond probably gets another start. 
But I will also add that once Caruso's back, you're probably not getting another Drummond start. And based on the schedule we just looked at, I guess I don't know for sure. Like, maybe they go big against... Mm, look at these teams. Nobody's big out there. None of them. They play Clippers. That's one center. Warriors, they're small, very small. Mavericks, pretty small. Pacers, small. Wizards, small. Blazers, microscopic. Rockets. Well, I mean, basically, I'm just looking to see if any of these teams has a power forward that's kind of a lumbering ox. And the answer is no. Not until you get to the Wolves on March 31st. I, I, so, again, Drummond right now, is, in my eyes, is tied to Caruso until you get to basically 31 days from now, and then you'll get a Drummond game regardless. Speaking of the very large Timberwolves, just quickly on the Wolves side, Nas Reed, a stream while Kyle Anderson is out. Uh, I know he's still coming off the bench, but they had to redistribute slow-mo's mid-20s in minutes, and if Nas even gets like four or five of those, that's enough to push him up and over the play line, which he did. Also, nope, not worried about Mike Conley. Monte Morris has been playing sort of fine in that like boat captain role, and so they're just giving Conley a little more free time to roam, to rest, they want to make sure the old guy's fresh. So don't worry about that. Keep playing him. It'll be fine. The bigger story in this one from the streaming standpoint is make sure you've got Nas Reed because, again, you might get another good one out of him if Kyle Anderson is out. What about the Memphis side? Because the Memphis side is, uh, like, a lot of interesting. But we don't know if anything we're seeing with the Grizzlies from yesterday is repeatable. So the thing that jumped out to me is that five Grizzlies played over 30 minutes in this game. And yes, the fact that the game was competitive probably helped in that regard. Uh, and yes, the fact that, you know, Conchar was still out and Kennard was out, like all of these things, yes, they slide minutes to other players. And so it's likely to get more complicated. If I had to put an odds on it, that this type of normal person minute distribution happens again, I would say the odds are somewhat low. But it is interesting to note that when a couple guys were out and the game was competitive, you got starters minutes from Santi Aldama. You got starters minutes from Jordan Goodwin. You got starters minutes from Zaire Williams. And then obviously Vince Williams and Jaron Jackson Jr., those guys have been getting starters minutes kind of regardless. But the two, forget Zaire Williams for a second, because fantasy-wise, I don't, I don't think that the profile is there. The two that continue to intrigue me are Aldama and Goodwin. I've mentioned Lamar Stevens, but I don't think his minutes are going to be consistent enough, and we saw yesterday he only played nine and a half. Jordan Goodwin, filling in as sort of the point guard here, only had five points, but eight boards, eight assists, two steals, and a three-pointer. And we've seen over the last couple of seasons that when he gets full point guardy run, Jordan Goodwin can actually put up some pretty good fantasy lines. They're not going to break the bank or anything, but sort of better than fringe when he gets opportunity. Now, he's not like that amazing of a basketball player, and that's why the opportunity has been a bit few and far between. Uh, and he hadn't played a game since February 15th. It was on a 10-day, and then they converted him to a two-way, and so that stuff is always going to creep into the mix. But basically, you can play the game log game. With Goodwin, he's a great op he's a great player to play the game log game with. How many times this year has he played starters minutes? I think the answer is like four or five, and I would say eighty percent of the time in those 
he's put up better than serviceable fantasy lines. Most of them were with Phoenix. Uh, way back in the second game of the year, he, he played 30 minutes. I think they were down. I know they were down Beal. Were they down Booker in that game too? Maybe. He had 14-6-2 with a couple of steals and a three-pointer. Cool. Uh, November 12th. I don't know who was healthy and not for Phoenix in that ball game, but he played 29 minutes. He had 11, 5, and 3 with a steal, a block, and three three-pointers. Great. November 26th, 29 minutes, 14, 7, and 5, a steal, a block, and two three-pointers. Love it. December 12th, 29, 40, 16, 5, and 6, two steals, a block, a three, and five for five at the free-throw line on top of the other stuff. So you guys get the gist here. And then the last two games he's been involved in, he's played starters minutes. He had 11, 7, and 3 with two steals and a three and one. And then the one we just talked about, 5, 8, and 8 with two steals and a three-pointer, despite shooting just one of eight from the field. And you can do this game with Goodwin from last year, the year before, whatever. Basically, any time he gets 27, 28, 29 minutes or more, he's posting nice rebound, nice assist, nice steal numbers. And he's done it in a way that we've, we've sort of been able to watch it and say, okay, this is a consistent thing. 24 minutes is not enough. 25 minutes is not enough. 26 minutes is borderline. 27, you're basically there. And 28 minutes, you're gold. Anything over that, you just sort of crawl your way up the board. But, like, you can look at last year. He had a few games in the middle of the season where he played 33, 38, and 36 minutes. And he posted nice numbers. Insane steals numbers in those games, by the way. He had 13 steals over a three-game span. And then he just goes back to not playing at all. But this Grizzlies team, they got nothing to lose. Like, maybe this is a guy they feel they can use as a backup point guard for following seasons or something to that effect. Don't expect colossal scoring numbers, but again, he's in a good situation here because there really isn't anybody other than Jaron Jackson that the team has to defer to on a night-to-night basis. And I said it in my tweet storm last night that I was basically going to look around and see how many places I could pick up Jordan Goodwin. And the answer is almost everywhere. He's only 2% rostered for good reason, because due to his contract situation, there's no telling whether he's actually going to play in any given ball game. The guys have, and I forget the exact number, guys have like a month or two of actual playing eligibility when they sign those two-way deals. So I think the Grizzlies could pretty much use him in their games the rest of the way with some you know, sort of slash days for practice or something like that. So on the Roto side, I feel like there's almost no downside to picking up Jordan Goodwin because, again, in starters minutes, he's 100% a play, like top 80 range kind of guy. Head-to-head, I get it. You want to be a little bit more uh, cautious here because you don't want to use a roster move on a guy who then just sits out the next two ball games. That would be a huge disaster for your head-to-head club. I get it. So if you want to hold off on the head-to-head side, that's fine. Roto, I think you go get him. There's some built-in upside there. And, you know, again, do certain guys have to be out? We'll, we'll figure that out as we go. It's not all that clear. Is this a, th- a situation where now because they signed him to the two-way, he's playing? Or did he get to play because Conchar and Kennard were out? I think it's worth putting him at the end of your roster and seeing if we can figure out sort of the tempo for Goodwin going forward. Sacramento-Denver, this game was over early. You can toss the box. The fact that Chris Duarte had maybe the best line of the night for the Kings tells you all you need to know about that, how that ball game went. Uh, Kevin Herter was a disaster. Hang on for one more game, see if you can get those minutes back up near 30. Um, Malik Monk, as I keep saying, safer in head-to-head than Roto. 
Keegan Murray was kind of the only regular king to be okay in this one. De'Aaron Fox sat it out, and when he sits, they suck. Denver just toyed with him. When Jokic doesn't have to shoot at all, that's when you know Denver's just kind of playing around. This is a play-around game. They shot 54%. This game was over early. Keep on keeping on. And then the craziest game of the night, one of the crazier games of the season, frankly, the Lakers erasing a 21-point fourth-quarter deficit to beat the Clippers 116-112. And it was LeBron. And he got a little bit of help in the fourth quarter, make no mistake. He went on, he was sort of the surge guy uh, in that LeBron hit some three-pointers. Lakers were down, I think it was 18 or something. I think it was 18, and then LeBron hit like three threes in a row to cut it to nine. I can't remember the exact pro- progression of the whole thing. But he had 15 points going into the fourth quarter, and he finished with 34. So, yeah, pretty good, pretty big quarter. I believe he outscored the Clippers in the frame without looking it up. And then other guys got involved. AD had some offensive rebounds off LeBron misses. D'Lo hit this ridiculous, it was sort of Nick Batum-like, where it wasn't a catch-and-shoot three. It was the ball that like LeBron put right into his shooting hand on the left side, and he just flicked it forward. And it was a three-pointer. And Rui had some big shots and all that. I mean, it was, it was a wild, wild situation. But from a fantasy standpoint, and this is sort of the downer of it all, it didn't change anything. Cam Reddish came back and made it so that Max Christie only played five seconds in yesterday's ballgame. And, you know, I sort of get it, but at the same time, I'm not sure why Christie doesn't get a minute or two over someone like a Torian Prince. The Lakers need consistent help rebounding. They finally did a better job of it late in yesterday's ballgame. The Clippers missed everything, and the Lakers made everything, so that sort of tipped the rebounding scales. Uh, but Torian Prince is, ah, well, I guess he only played 17 minutes also. Um, Rui Hachimura doesn't have a robust enough fantasy game to get him onto rosters. So, you know, for the Lakers, it's LeBron, AD, Reeves, and Russell. Lakers are on a back-to-back now. So, uh, the thing to keep in in, sort of in touch with on the Lakers side is, are other guys going to play? And it's against the Wizards. So you know they're going to try to find a way to rest someone, and that someone is probably going to be LeBron, if anybody. Now, maybe he tries to play because, like, this is the kind of game where the Lakers 100% absolutely positively cannot blow it. This is supposed to be your freebie in uh, what's otherwise a ridiculous gauntlet of opponents here uh, end of February, beginning of March. Like, the Lakers played Suns, Clippers, then the Wizards, then Nuggets, Thunder, Kings, Bucks, Wolves, Kings again, Warriors, before they finally get to the the Hawks, Zombie Sixers, and then the Pacers are also pretty good. Um, but this is this is a brutal stretch for the Lakers before things kind of lighten up from about like you know m- mid late March to the end of the year. So they can't afford to screw this game up. So you might see LeBron try to play, maybe kind of go light on the minutes. Uh, I wouldn't rule him out yet. Cam Reddish, they don't expect him to go on the back-to-back yet, so I, not that that changes all that much. Mostly what you're looking at is if LeBron sits, Hachimura's the guy that takes the jump from not playable to playable, and then the other main guys, Davis, Reeves, Russell, they just sort of push farther into the awesome category. And as far as the Clippers go, they were out uh, without Ivica Zubats and without Paul George for this ballgame, and it still looked like they were going to run away with it because the center position was sort of a placeholder, and then... 
that switched late. So you're not picking up Daniel Tice. I don't care that he played 31 minutes here. Just absolutely no reason for that to happen. Uh, you're not picking up Russell Westbrook. You don't have to worry about that. Norman Powell is the guy you're sort of often looking at as that fill-in role. They went bigger here and started Amir Coffey, but you're not adding him either. So basically, Kawhi, James Harden, and then Zubots, and obviously Paul George when they're in there. But I don't worry too much about the fill-in stuff. And I know what you're thinking. Dan, what about a thought on Terrence Mann? And my thought on Terrence Mann is he does this you know, twice a year, every year, where he goes on these, like, one- or two-week little mini-surges, and then it vanishes again, and we don't hear from him for, like, two months. So uh, don't read too much into that. And that is your uh, recap on yesterday's card. We can move on from that. Uh, and we can try to keep this show somewhat on the brief side. Um, I don't know if there was any difference here doing this live or not live on Twitter, but what I will say on the way out is, once again, please take a moment to like, rate, subscribe, all that stuff. Um, obviously, it does impact, I guess, the live viewership, but I don't know if it's going to impact uh, anything on sort of the, the uh, after-the-fact stuff. I'm just throwing darts, people. I'm trying to figure out the best way to get word out that we do these daily podcasts. So, again, whatever you guys can do to make that happen. And today's a day that I need to tidy myself up because I have a play-by-play job to do this evening. So it's time for some manscaping of my face, actually. It's time for manscaping of my face. I got to clean up the old beard and neck. Uh, I got to clean up the cheeks, the out-of-bounds hairs. So I do that with the handyman. Not the lawnmower. I use the handyman on this stuff because it gets that tighter. This is a real electric trimmer. You can get that. This bad boy is awesome. And it's small. You just It's portable, man. Ethos 20, Ethos 2.0 over at manscaped.com. Check that out for 20% off and free shipping. And go get the baseball draft guide. If you don't have anything premium with us here at Sports Ethos, this is a great time to jump in on the MLB Fantasy Pass. You get the baseball draft guide and all the stuff they're putting out all season long. It's got projections. It's got sleepers. It's got ranks that are coming up. It's amazing. I should also mention, I said this yesterday, and a couple of you reached out to me. If any of you watching this show have the NBA Fantasy Pass at Sports Ethos, we are running a promo just for the next couple of days. You can upgrade from the NBA to the All-Sport Fantasy Pass for $1. So reach out. Put it in the comments section. Hit me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers. You can ping me in our free Discord. That link is in the show description. You can post it in the comments after the show. If you've got an NBA Fantasy Pass and you play baseball, this is an insane opportunity to just upgrade for one buck to the all-sport. Lock in for the baseball season, and that'll roll right back around to the NBA season. That's the thing. People are like, ah, I don't really want to have like a half-year baseball membership. If you do that now, that'll roll you back around to after our draft guide drops. August 29th is six months from now. Draft guide will be out by then. Then you're like one month away from the B-150. Oh, yes. We are year-round here at Sports Ethos. So please do hit me up if you're interested in that promo. Also, we got baseball leagues available. We'll be talking more about that over on social media as well, as well as in Discord. Uh, hit me up if you have interest in those. We'll get you linked with uh, Joe and Andre, and they can get you in our Sports Ethos baseball leagues for this year. Yes, tis the season. Tis the season for a little baseball as well. Uh, but again, tomorrow we'll have our weekend review show. We'll also try to do the uh, quick hitter playoff schedule episodes. I'm going to try to, again, drop those as often as humanly possible, get us ready for the long streaming begins, because for a lot of us, playoffs start on Monday. Thanks for watching, everybody. Catch you guys on the flip side. Oh, I'm Dan Bethers. <laughs>